You're listening to the Higher Ideas Podcast, where ideas grow. Connect on higherideas.net. Now here's your host, I. Hello, fellow human, and welcome back to the Higher Ideas Podcast. It is a lovely, tranquil, sunny Sunday here in Tarapoto, Peru. And boy, have I had a busy last couple of weeks. Things have been kind of chaotic, but busy in a good way. And I'd love to update you guys, so let's do an Open Heart Sunday. I know this podcast lately is almost only Open Heart Sundays. Good God, it's been difficult to sit down and focus on proper episodes. But let's get this done for now. Uh, So today I'll be telling you a little update, or actually a pretty big update, on my ayahuasca apprenticeship progress, as well as, you know, how life is going here in Peru And also, there will be some ayahuasca experience reports from my recent dieta, which I know a lot of people listening like to hear about. So let's get into this thing. Now, a couple weeks ago, before I went into this recent ayahuasca dieta over at camp for one week, just before leaving, I managed to throw up onto the podcast uh, stream not an official episode, but a little voicemail sort of thing, right? A little message just to say, guys, I know, I know. There have not been any updates in a while, any content, and it's killing me, right? And the fact is, I've been really getting roughed up this year. I've mentioned it here and there. I mentioned it even in that episode a little bit. So let me open up here about what happens. Um, In that same week, just before going to Dieta, I actually hit a very terrible crisis line. I hit the line, or I crossed the line, you know, mentally, where I realized I have to leave. This life in Peru, at that point, it wasn't going well, well enough to bother continuing, and certainly rough enough to constantly be pushing me, pushing me, pushing me to give up and leave. This has been my first six months of this year. Here in Peru, 2018. I thought it was going to be a great year in January, after a great dieta, but man, did life just start beating the crap out of me with no gloves on this year, getting sick all the time, financial issues keep getting worse, more things breaking, needing more money that's not coming in. And if I can be frank, zero clients for my ayahuasca service this year. It was looking like the worst year yet, obviously, zero. Come on, man, you know? And on that point, as I always have to mention, you know, the Patreon supporters of this podcast were my only income, and thank God for you guys, you know? And yet, ironically, what was also driving me crazy through all this was that I was so always on the ropes, on the rocks, you know, getting sick, dreadfully sick, getting depressed, problems, and, oi, interruptions left and right, technology breaking, you know, taking me out of commission. I was not able to put anything up, practically, on this podcast, you know? Meanwhile... The donations are my most important thing in life here. Oh, what a stressful, yeah, no, catch-22 kind of trap. And I was thinking, life, what are you doing to me? Are you trying to make me collapse, you know? You're placing all of the pieces on this board against me. And this pressure was mounting and mounting this year, pushing and pushing, leave, leave, leave. This is not going to work. We're not going to work with you, you know? And it started breaking down my faith in ayahuasca and the spirits and God. So it's been quite a tough trial this year. And it's been really hard keeping it together. 
And then, as I mentioned, a couple of weeks back, I hit the line. A couple more impacts came. My, For example, my knee just broke. You know, just the, something with the cartilage. They don't have the proper scanning machines here in Tarapoto to have a good look at it and tell me exactly what went wrong. I was just going about my normal day, and it started clicking like crazy. Every step, click, click, click. This isn't right, right? This is obviously something bad. Didn't hurt, but obviously starting to break here, you know? And this is just the latest in a bunch of systems breaking down in me from this trial of a life I've thrown myself into here. It's beautiful here, fellow humans, and I want so much to be able to live comfortably here and I don't need that much to be comfortable, but I'm living definitely sub-comfort, sub-survival for so long here. And the stress and cigarettes for a long time were wearing me down. That was stupid, but luckily, you know, for a good while now, I've defeated that nicely. Cigarettes are no longer an issue. But uh, long story short, you know, the old body's been taking a whipping on all sorts of levels. And even psychologically, to be frank... I've been falling apart on a lot of levels, obviously from considerable sustained stress and anxiety about, will I survive? Is this even, am I even building anything here? Is any of my effort worth anything? Putting all my everything into this and seeing nothing fruiting. Oy, it'll take it out of you, fellow humans. This is not like regular job stress of, oh, I don't like my job. You know, this is, I'm putting my all into something and it looks like it's all for nothing. That'll downright destroy you down to the core, right? It breaks down all of your faith and... Boy, it was rough, okay? All the other systems breaking down and looking at myself more critically this year with all these problems pressuring me, I've been starting to, you know, really question myself. Am I just a fool here, right? Am I just a fool burning himself down for nothing? And more and more as I look around me for evidence, the evidence was overwhelmingly starting to point to, yeah, you're an idiot, man. No one would stay this long. Moving forward on this path, seeing how much of themselves is falling apart, how many sacrifices they're making with no payback, with no payoff, and no hint of payoff coming, you know? So the pressure has been mounting this year to just... just be quote-unquote realistic and go back to your old standard life and give up this dream, but at what cost? What would I become? And what would the backlash be on myself? So, you know, I was teetering on the line for a long time. And this other week, it just finally went over the edge. All of the points, all of the factors just pushed me over the line, and I couldn't ignore it anymore. The only way to go was leave. And I did not reach that line, you know, lightly. I fought it every step of the way. And it wasn't fun to suddenly be standing solidly on the other side of the line of I have to leave. I have to give up. This isn't working. This is never going to work. You're an idiot. You gave up all of your life savings and set your life back, you know, going back to this other life. Set yourself back years when you were years ahead of the curve, you know, I started working really young and making money really young and I was ahead of most people my age and now I'm behind if I go back, you know, wasted years, wasted savings, wasted opportunity and I had to go through for a couple days there for like a week, 
the whole grieving process of knowing I have to leave. Like within a month, I was thinking, I got to buy a flight. I got to leave my apartment. What do I bring? What do I abandon? Calling my parents, telling them, you know, get ready, I'm coming home. Telling my friends, reaching to them for moral support. Looking at my beautiful environment around me here, crying a lot, just a wreck. You know, calling old colleagues at work, asking them if they can hook me up with a job quickly. Back home, it was a dark, dark week. And then I was planning, after a couple of days of all that, well, better go to camp, the ayahuasca camp, and tell my boss, Maestro Orlando, you know, and my teacher as an apprentice of ayahuasca that it's over. The ayahuasca apprenticeship, Peru, forget it. It's over. It didn't work fast enough. The help didn't come. And in those days, as I was planning all this, wouldn't you know it? Wouldn't you freaking know it? Out of the blue, one, two, three, four, five, a bunch of different people suddenly appeared in my world, wanting to come to my ayahuasca service here at Maestro Orlando's camp, which I've been reaching out to people to come for. For years, one of them, you know, had been in contact with me since the first year I've been here. And he actually came to Peru and went to ayahuasca somewhere else, which I got to say was a little insulting, to be frank, right? But people are free to do what they want. But this guy, among others, suddenly pops up that week. Hey, I want to come. Yeah, sure you want to come. A lot of people come and tell me they want to come, but they never follow through. But these people were all motivated, ready Cash in hand, you know, whatever the price, I'm coming, I'm decided. And so they, a bunch of them start booking. And I'm thinking, what the hell are you doing to me, life? I just went through a week of a broken heart accepting that I'm going to lose the paradise I sacrificed so much to live in without ever having had the opportunity to even appreciate this paradise because the entire time I've been here has been anxiety about when can I land here? When will I feel that I'm actually I can let myself love this place because I won't lose it, because I'm solid, because life is stable and income is coming, you know, and I can start building a house or something and a family. I never reached that point, and I had realized I'm leaving, and the whole time I was here, I didn't even have that, I didn't reach that point of being able to breathe and just be like, ah, yes, this is my home, I can be comfortable, I have landed, I am solid, you know? So in a way, all of that time here, I didn't even get to really savor it. And now, after accepting that I have to leave and there's no choice, now life delivers. Now the universe sends this great luck of a bunch of people motivated to come, you know, seeing the value of our place and wanting to come to this place for good ayahuasca. And so as one and two and three of them came, I sort of tentatively said, okay, you know, I got to clear some dates because I was thinking... I am going. I can't, you guys, where were you when I needed you, you know? I'm not sure if this is enough to keep going. But a couple kept booking and more and more, and all of a sudden, I'm sitting with more bookings within one week than I had had any year before. So all of a sudden, in the space of one week, I was looking at the best year so far when it comes to clients showing up to my service. And we're only halfway through the year, so, man, what a dilemma. I mean, I was happy about it, but I, I didn't know, you know. 
for the concerns about my own breakdown. You know, this might just be a band-aid, and later on, this might just keep falling apart. So what do I do? So I went to camp, and I laid it all out for Meister Orlando. I told him, here's where it's sitting. You know, I don't know what to do. I don't know if I should just go and give you these folks, you know, and step out of the picture, or should I take these people and be here and stay for all the months that they're coming, right? Different months, each of them, which leads all the way to January of next year. So it seemed like life, all of a sudden, the universe, after kicking my ass all year, now that I'm about to drop out, goes, no, 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 here you go, here you go, stay until January. Here's a client this month, here's some client next month, and then month after, and blah, 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 all the way on to January. There you go, that's what you needed, right? Yeah, that's what I needed, universe. That's what I need before you destroy me. <laughs> God damn it, I don't understand this back, back and forth. But anyway, after spending a couple nights at camp, I decided, yeah, let's take these people and let's do the work I'm here to do. And let's hope this is just the beginning of finally things going well. And although the timing of it is just ridiculously ironic, and there are some complaints I can have about why did you take this long to deliver, right? At least I can be grateful that some people have showed up, a good amount of people have showed up, good people I'm looking forward to working with. Two of them, three of them in fact, I just worked with in the past week in a dieta, right? They were booking for two weeks from that point. So um, all of a sudden, I got a whole bunch of work to do. And, you know, feeling more fulfilled here. I, this is what I'm here to do. So good, things are in motion. And where this year was looking like the most terrible year so far, and I was about to give up, all of a sudden, within the space of a week, it's the best year so far, and I'm motivated again, right? I've I'm, I'm got a glimmer of hope to work with. So that's where things sat. As I went into this dieta with this recent couple, the first of the wave of people who appeared, a lovely young couple from South Africa, um... You know, I guess you could describe them as a hippie-ish types, right? Very uh, positive, very spiritual, very nature-y, and uh, just beautiful, beautiful energy they brought to us. And while I had my own things to work on through this dieta, especially about my path, right? And is this even paying off in any way? You know, is this worth it? All that stuff. That's all normal stuff in dieta for me to deal with. I was mostly focusing on their good experience, Right? first clients in a long time, of course you want them to have a good experience and leave happy. So off we went to a dieta. Now, I've often talked about dieta here, how in the first ceremony of the one week or the two weeks or the three weeks you're doing in a process like this, I've often noticed that in the very first ceremony, things get put into place. Uh, images show up, characters show up, or, or just you know, storylines open up that sometimes mean nothing to you as you encounter them. You think, wow, that's weird. You know, why did I see a bird? Why did, you know, I see a snake in a knot? You know, th weird things like that. Sometimes these things don't mean anything. And through the magic of a dieta, somehow or other, every time these question mark you know, points have happened in the first ceremony for me, by the end of the dieta, it makes perfect sense. And something has happened in the week, either a life experience or a further development of that vision 
or a connection to something meaningful that you didn't realize that was speaking about. You know, there's always this surprise connection to images and and uh, symbols from your first drink. And so that's one of the really funny ways that dieta seems to be one big story, right? Uh, the entire process you're in is connected to each other. So while people may have separate ayahuasca drinks in a dieta, it's a continuing story. And even sometimes the ending of one dieta tails into the very point of your next dieta. It's like a preview of next time, right? perfect example of this is in their last uh, dieta report that I shared on this podcast, Bless the Bees. I spoke about having a recent dieta in January where bees became this amazingly important uh, connection that I finally made that you know had threads connecting all the way back into my childhood through my entire life, this presence of bees, right? And I finally came to terms with what they mean and connected with them in a strong way that really opened my heart and everything, right? So bees were the huge theme of that January dieta. But the dieta just before that, I mentioned in that episode, which was some months before, the very last vision I had of that dieta, previous, the night of the final ceremony, after all of the medicine had worked through me and all of the after ceremony, blah, 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 and visions and continuing work that happens when you go to bed, all of that had happened and settled, and the last delicate little vision I had, with my eyes closed, facing the wall, facing one of the walls of my mosquito net, was of seeing in my mind's eye a projection, like a projector shining onto my mosquito net, of a huge bee looking right at me, just its big face and its wings, you know, front view, so kind of the sides of its body and its legs hanging down, but its wings in like a three-frame animation of wings up, wings sideways, wing down, wings sideways, wings up, wings sideways, wing down, right? So it's flapping up and down, up and down, and it was just looking right at me. And I didn't know what that meant at the end of that dieta. I thought, huh, seeing a giant bee, what does that mean? And I had pondered it for a while and not even, couldn't find any sense to it, right? But, of course, if you've heard that episode, Bless the Bees, you'll know that that very next dieta in January, at the end of that dieta, as the very last thing that happened again in that dieta, there was this huge connection to bees and this huge, important moment for my, my development and my self-healing and all kinds of big shifts happened to do with bees and connecting to bees. And then I realized, ah, you guys were looking for me last dieta, right? The energy of bees was there. I didn't know what it meant back then, but in that secondary dieta, it all made sense. So the reason I mentioned this is that yet again, for me, in the beginning of this dieta, there was just this one theme. You know, I didn't get that many visions. It was a really light effect for me, even though I drank quite a bit. There was this uh, recurring pattern through my entire first night's drink of just eyes. Eyes. Eyes everywhere. All kinds of different decorative eyes and, and patterns with eyes. And I've seen eyes before, but never so much in one, in one night, right? And I thought, what's with all these eyes, man? And this definitely came to make sense for me by the end of the dieta, even though I kind of forgot about that throughout the week. It made sense because I was definitely being observed in that dieta by a lot of, let's say, spirits. It was actually going to be, for me, a pretty important dieta. 
But I didn't feel that through the week. Because as I took care of the clients, right, and actually got another client who showed up um, at the camp and uh, I assisted, right? So I was actually taking care of three people, as it turned out, instead of two. As I took care of all these people, it keeps you pretty busy throughout the days, I sort of forgot about myself, um, which is one of the sacrifices I do while dieting with people. You're supposed to focus entirely on yourself and be isolated in a dieta. But as part of my learning and as part of what I do, I am actually focusing more on others than myself in a dieta, when I dieta for work, right? So I forgot about the eyes. And as I drank in the midweek, Maestro Orlando, you know, he knew I really needed some answers and gave me a good wallop. He even blew some energy into the cup as he handed it to me, which he hasn't done in a long time. And I know when he does that, he's putting something special in there. So savor it, right? And I took my big dose and I thought, good, all right, let's see what happens tonight. He walked off. Of course, this is a solo drink in the way we work. Uh, the way we do things here at uh, our camp is the first ceremony of your process is in a group. All of the middle ayahuasca drinks in your process, no matter how many weeks you're there, all of the middle drinks are by yourself, so you can focus more personally with the medicine. And then the final drink is a group again, as Maestro Orlando closes up all of the channels and cleans you up and wraps you up and sends you home with a bow on top, right? So uh, here is my middle drink, my solo drink, as everyone else around is also having theirs. I have my big cup, and I try to hold it down. But the medicine we were drinking, you know, additionally that week is a purging medicine, and I had been taking double dose of it as a more advanced person. Uh, I was taking it twice a day instead of once a day. So the second dose in the afternoon was still kind of sitting in my belly, and I thought, I'm probably going to purge tonight, you know? Probably going to vomit. And I took the ayahuasca, and wouldn't you know it, the mix of the ayahuasca and this other purge medicine, yeah, it didn't last long. About five minutes later, I vomited, and I tried to hold it in, but... When ayahuasca really wants to come out, it comes out. So that's all it was that night. No visions for me. Which makes kind of for a flat dieta, right? But as a person who's dieted a lot and guides people in dieta, I can tell you that uh, it's very, very common to have sort of flat middle parts and uh, purges without vision and things like that, lack of connection with the medicine sometimes, and it's important not to get upset about it because that just takes you out of the dieta. Sometimes this is just running its course the way it has to, and that's the best way to look at it. So I figured, yeah, okay, fine, you know, just a purge tonight. We'll see what happens then on the final night, right? For me, personally, for my dieta, right? Everyone else was having a great time as the days went on. Everyone else was so happy, working with the medicine so well. I see the difference in such a big way in the people I train. I know what it's like to do a dieta at our camp without, you know, Western assistance, without a familiar English-speaking person to coach you through and stamp out fears and, and derailments and instabilities while they're small before they grow and spin you out of control, right? I am becoming a kick-ass guide and coach through this kind of ayahuasca process, and I'm seeing it so much in the people. They were so happy. 
they made extremely big progress. And the one guy who was here with a very obviously serious psychological thing to work through, he had a breakthrough super early and was just happier every day I visited him. He was greeting me with a bigger smile and a cleaner energy and brighter eyes and connecting more as he speaks instead of being so lost within himself, you know? So I got to see, see my three people doing great, and that was good enough for me, you know? And along came the last drink of this one-week process. Three ayahuasca drinks in a one-week process, usually. So, along comes the final night. At least for the two first people that rolled in. The third person that rolled in came in two days later, so he was finishing two days after that. But for this group I came in with, these two, we were wrapping up. And this was going to mean the end of my Dieta too. I was going to come back to finish with the other guy, but for my personal Dieta, I was wrapping up with the people who I came in with. And going into the ceremony, you know, I started, started thinking, you know, great for them, but, you know, I still, I'm still feeling so beat up from the recent, you know, heartbreak, the, the grieving that I did about having to leave, and I'm still confused about what is my future, and, you know... I still feel like I need to clean up and I feel like I'm not. I feel like nothing much happened for me in this dieta. You know, I saw a lot of eyes and that's it. And funny enough, speaking of eyes, as we're hanging around camp again, me and the two others from South Africa, and we're just waiting for sun to set and, uh, you know, everything to settle before a final night ceremony, we're sort of free to roam around camp. And there is this door, this wooden door. It's a very basic structure base camp. It's kind of shabby, but I like it that way. It's natural. There's this door, this wooden door that you can open or close. doesn't really matter because it's an open shack, but it's the place people pass through coming in and out of the kitchen to head into the camps, into the isolation camps in the other little part of the property, and coming back into base camp. This is the door people will commonly use, and we close it when it's out of use, and when people pass through, they leave it open. Anyway, at the top of this wooden door, just this year, there appeared a big, bold, black, written message. Right, Someone, one of the guests, not one of the ones I worked with, wrote something at the top of the door, which I thought, when I saw it, I thought, I hope you had permission, right? Because that's kind of egotistical, you know, to say I was here, right? But it was a positive message, so why not? It says, dream big and fly high, exclamation, 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 right? And at the bottom it says, Jack the Eagle. So apparently this guy named Jack had a big connection to the energy of eagle and visions of flying as an eagle, became an eagle and all this stuff, and big transformation for him. And I suppose with Maestro Orlando's permission, wrote that message at the top of the door for anybody, you know, coming later. And I was sitting in the kitchen looking at that, and something came over me that's very unlike me. Even as I did it, I, I put myself back in that moment, and I still remember how automatic it was. Without thinking, I stood up, I walked over to the fire pit, I grabbed some burnt sticks, which is what that other message had been written with, the charcoal of burnt sticks, and right in the middle of the door, big and bold and brash, I drew a big geometric eye just a big eye staring at you. It's sort of like a diamond shape rather than an organic swooping shape. 
And I just drew it, and I perfected it. You know, I made it nice and thick and bold and stepped back and look at it. Uh, it's not quite right. It needs a little work here. It needs a little work there. And then I finished it. It took like two minutes and walked away to do some other things. And the weirdest thing is, after I walked away, I sort of got taken over by, I guess, my normal personality. You know, when you drink medicines in uh, ayahuasca dieta, these medicines sometimes take over your personality and make you different than you usually are. They can make you more aggressive. They can make you more assertive. They can make you more emotional, more sensitive. It's all based on what you need as an individual, right? Uh, this is part of why different medicines can be assigned in a dieta by Maestro Orlando, based on what you need to be tweaked to uh, get over your issues, get through whatever is going to be coming your way in this process, right? And for me, I was drinking a medicine that makes you assertive, that makes you kind of a little bit more egotistical and things like that. And I suppose that had taken me over in that moment. Because after I walked away from it, my normal self sort of came back to me. And I thought, oh, God, when Maestro Orlando sees that huge eye on the door, I hope he's not going to be angry. Because I didn't ask for permission. Who am I to come over to his home? You know, this is like his home in the jungle. It's his property. Who am I to come to his home and draw on his door? I was sort of judging Jack the Eagle for having done it, hoping that he had asked Maestro Orlando's permission. So what the hell am I thinking, drawing this big eye, so sure of myself that I deserve to do it, on, on his door right in the middle where everyone's going to see it forever? This is my mark. How egotistical, I thought, and how, how rude not to ask first. But anyway, it's done, and I just thought, if he's angry about it, I'll wash it off, and he'll tell me, I'm sure. But he didn't say anything, and um, it still is there. But I didn't realize, while I did this, I didn't remember seeing the eyes in the first ceremony of that dieta, right? So there was I again, the eye. Anyway, that moment passed, and I'll get back to it later. And we're getting ready for our closing ceremony. So in we head, prepared my people. So in we go for this final closing ceremony for these two who had had this beautiful week. I drink, they drink, Maestro Orlando drinks, and we wait. And it actually was a very, very silent ceremony. And I had, here's another thing, Maestro Orlando in this dieta had started inviting me to pour my own ayahuasca in the group ceremony, where usually he will pour for everyone, including me, as his apprentice, right? But in this week's dieta, he started just giving me the bottle and making it like a big point. I invite you to serve yourself. And I've learned from speaking with other shamans that teach more details of the culture than Maestro Orlando tends to do. Maestro Orlando just does things and doesn't explain their significance. But I've got another shaman friend who's my second teacher, who teaches me a lot of these details about the culture. And she'd explained to me before that these kinds of little details are super significant. And he does not do them, um, you know, uh, willy-nilly. They mean something. So him letting me pour my own ayahuasca in this dieta meant I was, you know, at a higher level of responsibility, obviously. Pour it for yourself. You know yourself by now. You've drank enough times. Uh, don't rely anymore on my judgments as Maestro Orlando, right? Don't rely on my judgment to tell you what your dose needs to be tonight. It's time for you to start learning 
what dose you need that night, right? So I take the bottle on this uh, final ceremony, and I pour it, and it just naturally, the amount came out, just without thinking. An amount came out into my cup, and I thought, yeah, about halfway, that looks good, and I took it, right? And we settled in and waited for the effects to kick in, which takes about an hour. Maestro Orlando sang very little through that ceremony, and as I said, it was actually a pretty silent ceremony. Now, I had many washes of different kinds of vision, very light, mostly physical feelings of tumbling. I kept feeling like I was laying in a hammock, right? That sort of very comfortable droopy shape, and that in that shape, I was sort of tumbling head over feet as if I was in a dryer or something. This, 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 like, round and round we go. It's as if you're laying at the bottom of a wheel, right? And the wheel is tumbling down a cliff, but in a soft way. It's spinning, and so you're spinning over yourself and under yourself. And I kept being taken on that kind of ride by the medicine. And I was breathing and letting it happen. And as I was taking these sort of whirlwind rides, I started feeling seeing visions of fish around me, riding that current with me, as if I was spinning in a, in a tornado of water with a bunch of other fishes. And so it was very water-based and very uh, fishy and very oceany, which is fine. Uh, the, the water spirit realm is a very powerful realm that I know I'm naturally drawn to as an apprentice. So it only makes sense to me that these energies tend to come for me in Vieta and in, in Ayahuasca. Now, there was another moment where in this spinny sort of effect, I perceived women, but not so much physical presence of women. It was like the water around me had a feminine quality to it. It had curves, like slightly solid curves that would appear like hips, you know, and soft shoulders and, you know, soft skin that's rubbing against me. So I was sort of tumbling now with some women, even though I couldn't see any in my vision. Everything was still transparent. It was just feelings of slight shapes of solidity. And also, the only thing I saw in my vision that was feminine was eyelashes, big eyelashes, like giant ones, about a foot wide, each one, right? Just the, the rim of the eye and the lashes, and those were tumbling in the water with me. So I knew, you know, there's feminine energy here. Women, wow, woman spirits, right? Water spirits of women, which again is very common in the, uh, in the uh, sort of uh, legends of uh, the river for ayahuasca. The river realm is full of sexy women and sirens and whatnot. So I knew, obviously, there's a heavy water energy here tonight. But, you know... To, to be frank, that was the, the most of it for me that night. Still not much of a feeling of anything personal getting worked on for me. Although there was something pretty cool that I'll describe here just as a side note that happened. There was a moment where, for the first time, I broke out of that vision. So as the water and the fish were going on, I sort of got distracted at one point. And usually I would sort of shut that down. But this wasn't a distraction that was pulling me out of the experience. This was a distraction like I looked sideways and away from the vision and realized that it was happening, I guess you could say, in a matrix. Because what I ended up seeing is my, my sort of mind's focus vision, right, pulled away from 
the fishes and the water and, and this feeling of tumbling and, and you know, this very all-encompassing experience I was having, I drifted away from that sideways and up to the left. And what I ended up finding was just a crazy corner, like the corner of a cube, right? But so many different levels of the cube's corner. It was like a multi-dimensional cube corner. It's so hard to explain in words, and even to draw it, I think, would be slightly difficult, but doable. Just imagine, oh man, how do you describe it? So many layers to this cube. But it was just this crazy hypercube corner. And, you know, the physical part of this cube was, was down into the right towards where I was just experiencing things. And I realized, stared for so long at this fascinating, animating bunch of corners of multidimensionality. And I realized eventually there's nothing here, right? This is just a bunch of cube corners. And this is like the edge of the show. And beyond it, nothing. Above it, if I keep looking away, it's just space. And I realized that this was like the edge of the vision. <laughs> So weird. It's almost like it was a 3D thing being generated. And this was the edges where you're not supposed to see off camera, right? And as I decided to pay my attention back into the center of this, this cube thing that was generating all of this vision, as I panned back down the flat side of it until I started seeing things again, the first thing I saw was a bunch of hands. And they were sculpting and shaping and painting little dolphins and little fish, all kinds of little animals for, for the water. And they were dropping them into the water. It was all these delicate feminine hands that were growing out of this cube where it starts to become a ah, more complex shape. So hard to describe. Anyway, and then I followed these fishes as they put them into this sort of water slide kind of river. And then in I went into the water again, back into the center of this vision. So I had taken like a, a mental journey out of the vision to the edges of this weird generate, this whatever's generating it, which seemed to be happening inside a huge cube. You know, I would imagine that there was a corner like this at every corner dimensionally of this space. And in the center of this huge hypercube, was the three-dimensional vision experience that was happening, right? So weird. I hope you understand what I'm explaining. But it was, uh, as an apprentice who's studying what this medicine is and how it works, that was at an interesting new level of perception, right? Of, of, wow, this vision is like, like I said, a video game being generated within some kind of cube, and there is a limit to it, and you could leave it. And what, what's, is there other cubes out there? Maybe this is how Maestro Orlando is able to monitor other people's experiences, right? Maybe you can leave that cube and then out in the space of nothingness outside of it are a bunch of other cubes and shapes of other people's simulations happening. So interesting to ponder. Anyway, that's just some advanced apprentice talk for anyone interested. Back to the point. So... The ceremony went very quietly, and for me, like I said, on my personal issues and everything, not much work besides those interesting points. 
And eventually, Maestro Orlando broke the silence and asked everybody, as always, are you okay? How's it going over there? Which he usually does to check whether we should continue for a little while more. But this time, he started speaking, which he rarely does. He started speaking about something, describing something. And, you know, I'm under the effects. Uh, the two other people are still under the effects. You know, we were all in our thing. And all of a sudden, he's speaking to us. And, and it's hard to understand. And when Maestro Orlando also is under the effects, he kind of slurs his words and it's harder to understand. Plus, you're under the effects, so it's harder to listen. You're like, wait, hold on, words. Wait, 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 wait. What are you saying? Saying it again? Say it again, please. Slower. But... As he kept speaking, I, I sort of came out of it and realized he's like telling us a story. And I thought, is this like a, like a little parable, like a little legend he's telling us? I should try to listen. And I caught that he was speaking about his cousin, and I caught that he was talking about a river and a beautiful journey. And as we sort of all woke up and listened to him more, it became clear he was saying, I have never had in so long a journey that beautiful. He was saying, he, he was describing this journey he'd just had. He was so happy about it. And he was saying, thank you, thank you, all of you, for bringing this beautiful energy this week. I, I'm so, what a beautiful vision. How, wow, 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 how beautiful, how beautiful. He just kept saying that. Thank you, guys, thank you, guys, right? So, Maestro Orlando had had an amazing vision, apparently. This beautiful journey, which he had not had in so, so long. Right? And he was so happy about it. So it was great for me to see him satisfied and excited and happy. And uh, he closed the ceremony there. He said, that was beautiful. Thank you all. Let's all go to bed and rest. Beautiful dieta, everyone. The work is finished. And so I headed back with the two others to our structures. And we ended up actually speaking a while as the effects sort of faded for a bit. They were still swimming in us. And I knew we needed to go to bed and let it finish because there's always more work that's waiting after ceremony. But there was like a lull where we got to hang around in the dark, looking at the stars, looking at the moon with no lights on, hanging out on the hammock on the upper deck, and just um, speaking about all kinds of things, opening up as humans to each other. Because for the dieta, I have to be a little professional and distant. But here the dieta was over, we're all together again and able to speak to each other. So we were just three humans speaking human speak to each other, with our hearts very open from a beautiful dieta and um, a good, tranquil, peaceful, so peaceful, the energy of this dieta, um, peaceful dieta, peaceful medicine. Definitely consider these two friends that I will always remember, that moment I will always remember, that beautiful, just post-ayahuasca conversation for an hour or so, or two, right? Really bonding with the people that come to our camp. That's... That's medicine, and that's one of the best parts of this kind of work. This is why I want more people to come. I want to know more people. I want to heal more people and be part of that for them. And also have these beautiful, just human togetherness moments in the afterglow of ayahuasca as we were having there. But before we got too far into it, I knew Maestro Orlando was still awake, and I wanted to speak to him about some issues of mine that had come up in the ceremony and always as an apprentice, I speak to him after ceremony to ask him a bunch of questions about, I experienced this, what does this mean, etc., etc. So I go down to his room, and you know, he lets me in and tells me, sit down, yeah, let's talk, and he's laying in bed and half asleep and half still ayahuasca drunk, 
and he just sat there and described the entire thing to me in detail, and I just closed my eyes, and I smiled, and I listened to the image he was painting. And it was some journey into a beautiful crystalline river of just perfect water and beautiful trees and flowers, right? And he said he was with his cousin, who apparently he has had a falling out with many years ago because of family squabbles. Maestro Orlando, family is very important to him, and there are many problems in his direct lineage, a lot of infighting and jealousy and things like that that have forced separations to happen, and it hurts him. And he misses this cousin, I suppose, and he was somewhat emotional telling me about this, which was a nice bonding moment for me as, as his apprentice, because he's always been a very hard kind of distant, very disciplined maestro, like a martial arts sensei. And I've always felt a certain distance, which I was fine with. Everyone's got their lines, right? And of course, as the maestro, he probably wants to maintain a certain amount of image. But I made it clear to him a long time ago, I'm here as a human. I see him as a human. Be much happier just knowing him as a person instead of all these roles and ego games that you play with stature and all that. Anyways, I guess this was the night after having this beautiful experience of his that opened his heart, I'm sure. It seemed like he was so emotionally gratified from this beautiful journey down these rivers, and he met the spirit of a woman that appeared on a rock in the middle of the river and told him some important wisdoms. And then on this river went into this uh, amazing tunnel, apparently, that was just so resplendent and full of detail and light and beauty and decoration that uh, just blew him away, even as a man who's been drinking ayahuasca since he was 13. And he even encountered spirits that he hadn't seen in his visions since his own apprenticeship, right? So for him, it was like this homecoming. It was this amazing old friends visiting. And seeing this cousin, as I was saying, brought up some emotions for him. And he let those emotions come out as he spoke to me. Now here is where we dip once again into this mysterious psychicness that happens, this interconnection that happens when people have psychedelics together. Um, he hadn't heard anything about my experience that night. I hadn't had a chance to tell him my side of the story, right? But as he told me this story of going down the river, just before going into the tunnel, this amazing resplendent tunnel, he says when he saw the tunnel, knew he was about to enter it, and thought, wow, here comes something really special. He says he looked over beside himself in the river nearby, and I was there floating on a little boat. And then he said he called to me. In the vision, he tried to pull me in with him. He said, come on, let's go, right? But he observed that I was sort of heavy with mud. I was dirty. I wasn't in the right energy state to be able to follow him that night where I have felt him in the past trying to invite me across into other realms, right? Um, this time I didn't. I was just kind of having a light effect in my own vision. Uh, so he says his attempt to pull me in uh, wasn't working. I was too heavy. I wasn't in the right state to be in that place he was about to enter. So he entered alone. But hearing that definitely made me smile. Uh, I did afterwards explain to him that my own visions were very watery and very fishy, and also the energy of a woman of women was there in the water, water woman, which he met in his vision. This woman who came out of the water and sat on a rock gave him uh, uh, nice little uh, wisdoms, messages. Um, I felt tinges of all of that 
And as I thought about it later, I even sort of saw his tunnel. Because in my vision, a bunch of faded little visions that happened, I did recall later, first it was the shadow of a spider's legs above me. I was passing under this really long-legged giant spider that was like weaving with its legs. And there was this foreboding feeling as I passed underneath. But as I've been learning to do with ayahuasca, I just thought, fine, let's pass under this spider. It's not going to hurt me. I let myself pass, and I saw as I passed under it that it was weaving with its long, tangly legs. It was weaving this sort of a rainbow. And then I went onto this rainbow path that it was weaving. And this rainbow path snaked like a river right into a rainbow tunnel that was arcing overhead, right? And it went into this... It was like the, the different colors of the rainbow, but not arcing like you would see in a rainbow. There were sort of stripes along the ceiling of this tunnel, each of them going into the distance. And I went into that tunnel for a while. It wasn't as amazing, as resplendent as the one Maestro Orlando experienced. But I do feel that what I saw there, what I experienced, was some dim level of that same tunnel of light that he had gone into. So in my own way, I did follow be it in a very much more basic and faded way. All by myself, I ended up finding my way into that tunnel, I suppose. But in any case, uh, it was definitely really interesting to hear his experience and how much it correlated to mine that night. We were definitely together on some kind of channel, as evidenced by the fact that he even saw me riding that same water as him, right? I was just splashing around in a different way, experiencing it in a different way than his high level of clarity, which apparently was amazing, right? This great, beautiful journey for him, and I'm glad about that. And on top of that, his assessment, seeing me in that state, in that vision of his, his statement that I was dirty and heavy and kind of mucked up was absolutely correct. I was, right? After these recent impacts, and, and uh, I definitely wasn't connecting as powerfully to the medicine as I'm used to doing, I do have some cleaning up to do. And he told me exactly that that night. You gotta clean up. You weren't able to follow me. You're very heavy right now. Damn right I am. <laughs> I mean, I just definitely a lot lighter now after all these drinks when everything was said and done. But uh, definitely in that moment, oh yeah, still uh, very messy from the recent turbulence. So, so many things I'll always remember about this uh, final dieta night. Anyway. And went back to the people upstairs, yeah, and we finished our night until eventually we all headed to bed and went to sleep. The next morning, I took them home, set them up in their hotel, super happy, on top of the world they were, to this day, still. So good work for them, good work for us, good work all around. But I still had to head back to camp to finish this third person's week, which was going to happen the next day, uh, another closing ceremony. For me, my dieta was over. I thought, eh, next dieta, there'll be something for me, right? But let's go back to camp, help this guy with his uh, final leg. So along comes another closing ceremony. But wouldn't you know it, as it just so scheduled, the closing ceremony for this last guy was happening on the night of the recent lunar eclipse. And I didn't know much about this lunar eclipse. I found out later that it is the longest lunar eclipse that we will have for the next, like, hundred-something years, right? So somewhat remarkable astrologically. Now, I have never been one to pay much attention to astrology or the 
phases of the moon and things like that. But I thought, this will be interesting, right? This is a special cosmic night of alignment. So maybe the energy will be different. That's all I thought going into this ceremony. Little did I know this was going to be a pretty big deal this night. So here's how it went. We headed into the Maloka, me, the one other client, and Maestro Orlando. We had our doses. Maestro Orlando had me dose myself again, which I guess is going to be just how it goes from now on. And we sit in the darkness and we wait for about an hour for the effects to kick in and for Maestro Orlando to start singing. Now, before he started singing on this night, he decided to open with a little harmonica music. He likes to play harmonica, just as I do. And so he initiates with his harmonica. And as soon as he finishes playing this little song for a minute or two, he immediately starts singing. And I've been in so many ceremonies with Maestro Orlando, and I have never heard him sing without stopping from one song to the other, to the other, to the other, to the other, as he did that night. He just sang and sang and sang. And not only that, but he was singing exotic Ikaro medicine songs that I've never heard him use. You know, there's a certain repertoire that I always hear him use, and once in a while he throws in a new one, but this was all new ones. I had never heard any of these, so I knew they were special somehow, right? And I couldn't see uh, why, right? Why all these special songs tonight? This guy had a very standard healing dieta. He's happy. We're wrapping him up. I am not in dieta, right? So why? Who are you singing these for? Is it because of the eclipse? I don't know, right? Um, but anyway, in the first of these songs, very early, I saw my first vision of the night. And it was kind of cute. It was silly. What I saw just very fleeting took about five seconds. With my closed eyes, I saw the image of two children running out from behind Maestro Orlando off to my right and skittering across the entire ceremonial hut, the maloka, from one end to the other and through the wall and out of the maloka, right? So just two kids running right across in front of me. And there's this ability I have um, I don't know how common it is, but I can rewind a vision and I can pause it and observe it, right? I, I can even pause it while it's happening, which is problematic for me sometimes because if I pause it, right, uh, whatever happens next, I miss because I'm paying attention to the pause, right? And then I lose the moment. So this has been a recurring problem for me, but it's a benefit sometimes, in the sense of rewinding, right? I could rewind the vision. What did I just see? Rewind it, pause it, zoom in, right? So after these kids ran by, I knew there was something weird about the second kid. There was like weird shapes or colors or something. So I'm like, hold on. After that passed, rewind, bring the kids back, just the back one, the one in the back, and zoom in and look at him. Why is he weird? And as I looked him over, I realized he was wearing a little Halloween costume kind of thing, like a onesie and with like a hood over his head that was a dragon's face, right? So he had a dragon head and like these spikes down his back and a tail, you know, this like cotton cartoony sort of dragon outfit. And he was chasing this girl. So it was a girl up front and a little boy in the back. And this little boy running out from behind Meister Orlando 
was chasing this little girl, sort of going, rawr, as a dragon, right? And they were laughing and just skittering across the room. And I saw that and sort of smirked. It's like, ah, look at that, like a kid dragon, little kid playing dress-up. That's cute. And I let it fade and I let it go, not really realizing that that was pretty telling of what would happen that night. Because Maestro Orlando, uh, his big power animal, and I guess you could say his nickname as a shaman, is the dragon. He calls himself the dragon of the jungle. And his most powerful power animal that he uses is the dragon, which is apparently the most powerful power animal that you can come up with. It's the big kahuna, right? Uh, which is his friend, which he has, you know, which he has tamed in a way, you could say. Um, so, seeing a kid dragon, I didn't know exactly what it would mean. But what turned out happening was that ceremony was a graduation ceremony for me. <laughs> and I had no idea it was happening. Because as Maestro Orlando kept singing, I kept seeing light around me, like flashes of light moving around me. He was calling plant after plant after plant, spirit after spirit after spirit. And I kept getting flashes of humans in the room, right? Human spirits. So like a woman and two men and an old lady sitting in the corner, you know, just everywhere, all around me, all around the space, there were flashes of people arriving. It was like a big party being prepared. And all of these people that I saw were native in, in, in feeling, right? Even though some of them had white skin in the sense of being very white, like light, right? Light beings, but human and uh, But their features would be very sort of Chinese sort of eyes, more squinty eyes, and the, the more native features, right? And they were all wearing native clothing, and this feathers and leather and beads and that kind of thing, right? Very traditional figures were appearing left and right as Maestro Orlando kept singing and singing. Icaros, that some of them were so fast, like he was speaking so fast, and I had the sense he was like an energy typewriter, just with so much focus, uh, weaving weaving the energies of the moment, you know. So it was like ding, ding, right? Just he kept going like that all night, and as as the room filled with all these different beautiful spirits of people and family, you know, it was a human family ancestry and good, good spirits. Eventually, he took a pause and he called to me. And for the first time ever, this is the moment where Maestro Orlando told me, would you mind, please, playing your harmonica? Which, as I told you earlier, these things are a big deal. These things don't mean nothing. So the fact that here on this night's ceremony, he was asking me, finally, to participate in the ceremony. This has never happened, and I've been waiting for this moment, silently, patiently, the whole time I've been here as an apprentice, just waiting for the day I can play this harmonica in ceremony, officially, instead of just for myself, all alone. And this was the night. This was the moment. So I said, with pleasure, took my harmonica. Since I had been seeing a lot of light, I decided to sing or play a protective song, a traditional one. So I played it. And once I finished, on he went singing. Blah, 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 blah. And the energy kept coming, and <laughs> my God, so many visions of 
intricately carved traditional wooden sort of totem-like structures carting out from behind him into fog and light. I saw so many things that night that I've never seen in ceremony. Such tradition, such native, just wow. I saw things like a beautiful long feather headdress being painted one feather at a time appearing like a rainbow. Right, so the tiny feathers at the bottom arcing up to the long feathers on top, arcing back down to the small feathers on the other side, just painting this beautiful long headdress over my back. And uh, I just was along for the ride, you know? Very proud of myself for having just played. And eventually, as ceremonies do, the energy petered out. He slowed the singing. and ended up saying, well, everyone, beautiful ceremony. And uh, let's all go to bed and wrap it up. Good night. And before we all headed to bed, I was inspired to pick up my harmonica another time, play one of my tunes to do with gratitude, one of my personal Icaros medicine songs that the medicine has taught me. And uh, wouldn't you know it, this also happens to be not only a song for gratitude at the end of ceremony, but also specifically its lyrics are thanking the moon. Very appropriate for this Eclipse Night ceremony. So I played it, and uh, that's it. That was the final touch on the ceremony. We all headed back to bed. <sighs> and the client went straight to sleep, you know, very wiped, having had a very good ceremony. Maestro Orlando went to sleep, and I was left alone, awake, to ponder what happened what this meant, what tonight was all about. And as I sat there on my bed, with my eyes closed, still in the ayahuasca drunkenness, and the very last vision I got was the face of a kindly native grandmother who was just leaning right in front of me, looking at me right in the eyes. She had a serious face, serious and direct but she just had the slightest sort of smile of satisfaction and she was just nodding, looking at me like, yes, yes. And as I sort of thought, what are you nodding at? The ayahuasca always whispers information to you and what the ayahuasca explained, he's good, he's ready, it's time. And I realized in that moment, for sure, I just graduated to a new level because what playing in ceremony meant was I'm now ready to participate in ceremony by the estimation of Maestro Orlando. And um, all of these crazy Icaros he was singing that night, my senses, he was inviting all of the spirits, all of them, to look at this moment because the relation between a shaman and his apprentice is one of inheriting, inheritance, the shaman will be introducing you to all of his spirits, all of his energies, all of his allies, and you become like family. And as family, you're embraced by his family. And that's what that was. It was a family reunion. All the ancestry, all of the tradition. He was calling them all into the Maloka because he was about to promote me. <laughs> and I have now the mystical joy to say my graduation from inactive apprentice to active in ceremony, this graduation happened on the night 
of the longest lunar eclipse in the next hundred years. So mystically, that's very cool, isn't it? So I felt very satisfied at the end of that night, and I realized, although this is not part of my dieta, my dieta closed two days ago, this is the wrap-up I was looking for, right? And as I sat there thinking all this and realizing what a big night it was and feeling the accomplishment and so satisfied of just one of the rare moments for me of being able to just go, yes, you did it, you made it, you've arrived at something to, to you know, breathe and yes, yes, the work has paid off, right? As I was absorbing that, there were eyes again, eyes and eyes and eyes, and I realized, yes, I see, you guys knew this would happen this week, the spirits, right? That's why there was all this observance, all of these eyes on me. They showed up that night in that ceremony, all of the spirits, they're always watching someone like an apprentice and people healing too. You're always surrounded by spirits observing. But as those eyes kept showing up, I came to a very stunning realization. Now, I've talked to you guys here and there through this podcast about my crazy paranormal experiences in life. Weird experiences have dogged me since childhood. And for the longest time, it scared the crap out of me, made me close up to these things. And in my apprenticeship here, a big part of my struggles and resistance have been around washing away that fear. Because as a kid, I was faced with moments way too intense paranormally, spiritually, for a kid. At least for a kid in a culture that has no shamanism. If I had been born in a culture like this one, where there is shamanism, in a village or something, I would have been identified and I would have been trained early on so that these things don't scare me and so that I don't shut them away and push them away as I did in my life. Right? But unfortunately, I was born in a city, in an urban center, and as I experienced really intense, weird things as a kid, and through my whole life, to be frank, it just traumatized me instead, because I was being told by my parents, it's not real, it's your imagination, but these very real, intense, powerful moments kept happening and following me, eventually scarring me, right? Because there was no way to digest them except that they're scary, and I'm alone in facing these because no one believes it, right? Now, there is a thing that had happened. The first, the very first of these crazy moments I experienced in life. I hadn't repressed it because I had spoken of it here and there through life. But in my list of things that I keep repeating to myself, a very powerful, paranormal, you know, spiritual moments that I've had in life, um, in the list that I keep referring back to and analyzing and reanalyzing, right, for meaning or understanding, that one had sort of vanished. I had stopped really referring to it for the longest time. But that night, as I saw the eyes again, I remembered it. So here is the very first paranormal, crazy, weird thing that I had experienced as a kid. I shared a bedroom with my sister as a younger kid, right? So I must have been, I don't know, six, something like that. So young but I remember it so clearly. Our cousins were visiting from out of town, and so we had to give them our beds. So my sister and I were sleeping on the ground, and I got put next to the closet. Now I know, kids in closets, right? It's so typical to imagine monsters in closets and whatnot. 
So I could understand why my parents may have dismissed what happened that night. But here's what happened that night. I was sleeping with my back turned to the closet. And I woke up with like a start in the middle of the night. Everybody's sleeping. And I had just this overwhelming, paralyzing sense of being observed. But not being observed by something normal. It was like this, this, this disturbing feeling. Something not right is here and is looking at me. Where is it, right? And I felt it was behind me. So I turned my head to look at the closet, which is right behind me. And the closet was half open. And as I turn around and look into the closet, what I saw at the top of that dark space in the closet was one massive eye that was looking down over me just with intensity so much intensity that i it had like a sound and it was like a brrr, you know just like this like energy this force and it was just looking at me and there were like whispers there were like lots of voices you know it was like this this weird eye and as I looked at it, it blinked once, and that freaked the crap out of me. I turned away from it, and I closed my eyes, and I thought, oh my god, oh my god, sleep, 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 sleep. Managed to fall asleep by ignoring it, telling myself it's not there, it's not real. What the hell was that, right? And the next morning, I told my parents, Mom, Dad, I don't know what the hell is going on. Last night, there was this huge eye intensely looking at me in the closet. So, of course, my parents told me, it's a dream, it's your imagination, blah, 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 blah. But the intensity of that moment, fellow humans, the clarity of that moment, I counted among the list of very weird, intense things. The feeling of that moment was exactly the same, that even as an adult, when I've experienced crazy paranormal moments, the feeling is the same. So I consider that a real event, crazy as it sounds. Now, here's the kicker. There was a quality to this eye that was very strange. And the quality of this eye was that it wasn't organically shaped. It was a triangular kind of diamond eye. It was angular. Even the center part was a square. It wasn't a circle. It was angular. And I had sort of, I guess, forgotten or not thought about it in so long that I didn't realize, fellow humans, the eye that I drew on the door at the end of that week, just before graduating, was exactly the shape of that eye I had seen as a kid. The very first spiritual paranormal we're watching, there is a power watching you, which I guess you would consider the eye of God, right? I drew it on the door <laughs> right before graduating. And here we are at the end, the extra end of my dieta, outside of my dieta, this extra final drink. At the end of that, I see all the eyes again, and I reconnect to this old memory, and I realize, my God, this has come full circle. This is the first paranormal event I've had. And now, on the week that I graduate into progressive contact with these forces, graduating to a new level of working with these forces, reappeared the eye. So that kind of blew my mind when, when that happened. Oh, anyways, I hope this is of interest to you guys listening. I hope these are interesting stories. Uh, I never know. You guys don't speak very much. I sure wish you would. 
but um, the complexity, the interconnection of, of factors, the magic of a dieta, the way one thing ties into another in such a beautiful tapestry, so unexpectedly, past events that that you never knew how to understand suddenly make perfect sense, such as the bees, right? In my January dieta, this fear of bees and bees always seeming to get in my face and and nightmares about bees my entire life, my first memory in life being a fear of bees, this thread had been weaving through my whole life. And in that previous dieta had come to this glowing, perfect, just, ah, that's why, and came to this beautiful resolution. Well, now I've got the eye, too. That's why the eye. My entire life, the spirits have been watching me. I knew it, but I never connected that memory to that symbol. But now full circle. I understand that I, as a child, that intensity of being visited at night, not just that time, that trouble sleeping I had as a kid because I can feel people, things around me, like at night, it's the spirits. I'm one of these people that has this connection. And that I now is a symbol for me. Oh, speaking of I, (laughs) I bought a ring last year. Because I wanted a ring. thought, hey, it would be cool to have a ring. I've never been a ring guy, but I feel a calling to a ring. Took a trip to Toronto last September for a month. It was a beautiful, beautiful visit. Visiting family, spending time with my best friend. I was on top of the world that month. And the whole time I was around Toronto, I was carefully shopping rings. And I had been deliberating between three rings. What I felt was... Which ring I choose somehow is going to determine my future. It felt like one of those gateway moments. Choose wisely. I had narrowed it down to three. One of them was a tree with roots that interwove like a Celtic knot. And I thought that was really beautiful. And that spoke to plants, plant medicine. I like it. There was another one, which was a sort of crucifix, a cross, which I didn't love, but it had beautiful plant shapes blooming out from behind it. Some symbology there that I definitely could jive with too. Mostly about self-sacrifice, right? Sacrifice, working with plants, that speaks to apprenticeship. And there was this other ring, which is just an eye. One eye with glowing lines, you know, light shining from behind it. And I had revisited many of these rings many times and put them on and thought, is this the one? And the one I ended up choosing was the eye. And out of every finger on my hand, the only finger this ring fit on was my wedding finger. And that actually was its detracting point. I thought, people are going to think I'm married, right? I, I don't want it on that finger. But then I realized, that's the commitment finger, isn't it? Commitment to what? What does the I represent? Well, knowledge, awakeness, consciousness. And that's the one I ended up choosing. But as I realized this importance of the I from way back in my childhood, I looked at my hand and I thought, man, oh man, I even have it on my finger. Without really realizing what I was doing, drawing it on the door, putting it on my finger, It was so weird, that moment of realizing that what I drew on the door, the geometric shape of it, 
was what I had seen as a child. So, ah, so weird, this path. This is the spiritual path, fellow humans. It's so full of crazy aha moments of everything, serendipity, everything tying together. You get to see the way threads of a life weave together and come to this beautiful harmony in these mind-blowing little moments. Ah. So there it is, fellow human, the update on the apprenticeship, the story of the recent dieta. And uh, here we are. I've got a bunch of clients on the way in the next months. I'm feeling so much better on that level. Thank you, God, I can breathe a little bit on money here. I can actually now fatten myself a little by eating normally instead of subnormally. Thank you. My knee is getting better, although it's still got a ways to go, and there will be rehab to do. A lot of little things here and there seem to be on the improvement trend. Oh, so things are better, but it seems to be a pattern with me. It seems to be that the pattern of my life is everything almost goes to hell. Everything almost, it's like a plane crashing and crashing and crashing. And right before it hits the ground, right before, like its belly is going to scrape on the ground as it finally pulls up at the last minute and flies a little while longer, right? So that's what just happened to this thing in the last couple of weeks. This entire thing almost completely failed. And thank God, and please keep it coming, came the help, came the wind, came the updraft. So let's enjoy the updraft for a while. And there's my story, fellow humans. Now, I did grab some beautiful testimonial videos off of these um, recent three guests at our center. I have uploaded one of them at the Via Verde Facebook page. I will be adding it to the Via Verde Ayahuasca website. Do check her out over at viaverdetours.com. Please, guys. And look, I know I haven't been super aggressive about mentioning this service on this podcast, but I have to say, guys, if you are interested in ayahuasca, especially if you want to do it 1,000% right and squeeze every last drop you can out of the time and the investment that you're putting into doing this, into coming to Peru and drinking ayahuasca and the other medicines, please, for God's sake, guys, come to me. You know me. You've been listening to me. I should hope you trust me. And trust me, fellow humans, you could be in no better hands and have no better coach and friends with you on this journey than me. And you can have no stronger shaman overseeing your journey and running your ceremonies and medicine than my teacher, Maestro Orlando. Why the hell do you think I am here sacrificing everything to learn from him and dedicate myself to his center. I believe in this so much. I put my money where my mouth is. I put my body where my mouth is. I put my life where my mouth is on that. So please come to us. You will not regret it. And if you don't believe me, just wait for those other testimonials to come out and you'll see. So I would love to receive people from the podcast. If you do contact me about this, please right up front tell me that you're from the podcast so I can be happy dealing with someone who listens to this, right? I would love to meet you guys. I hope I can receive some of you guys soon. 
As always, thank you to the Patreon patrons that have kept this thing alive through the hard times and continue to support. I love you guys. You are amazing. You are my heroes. So much gratitude for you guys, especially Mr. X. As always, the most generous, crazily generous out of them all. But thank you equally all. Amazing, amazing. Thank you. Anyone else who'd like to pitch in and help make this thing more stable and secure, please do head over to higherideas.net. The Patreon link is up at the top, little orange, humble Patreon link. Incidentally, also, the first big link, colorful link on that page is to Via Verde Tours, that ayahuasca service of mine and Maestro Orlando's. And of course, over at higherideas.net, you will find every other episode and soon to be more episodes because I see again clear sailings ahead. God, please give me some space here to make some episodes. There's so much to get to. So thank you for listening, fellow humans. Hope you enjoyed this other story of shaman and mysticism and magic and healing and ayahuasca and medicine. And good God. Until next time, fellow humans, keep thinking. <laughs>